Hello and welcome to the Block Damon podcast, where today I'm joined by Chris Sharp, Block Damon's Chief Technology Officer, and Andrew Howell, Block Damon's Senior Director of Blockchain Engineering. In this episode, we take a closer look at the Block Damon wallet, some of its recent updates, and what goes into developing blockchain-based products, and much more. So without further ado, let's jump into this episode. Chris, Andrew, welcome to the Block Damon podcast. Maybe starting with yourself, Andrew, would you mind giving me a bit about your background, your time in Block Damon, what your role is within the company and your day-to-day? Yeah, sure. Um, pleasure to be here. So I guess, you know, if we go all the way back to 2018, when Block Demon was quite a small startup trying to do node operations, um, I joined and, you know, we started building out the platform to onboard and, and deploy infrastructure across all the different clouds and all the different data center providers. Um, over the years, you know, we kind of built up that team and as we scaled, ended up, um, you know, leading the node operations team and, and the kind of core platform around that. Um, and then, you know, as that team matured, uh, moved into an innovation team where we're currently looking at, you know, the future of blockchain technology, um, you know, DeFi initiatives and, and uh, wallet-focused uh, features. Great stuff. And, and Chris, give me a, a bit about your background, your previous career history. As CTO, what does your role entail within Blockdim? Sure. Sounds good, Connor. Um, thanks. Um, really awesome to be here. Uh, Chris Sharp, as you said, CTO. Um, I've been here uh, at Blockdemon for, uh, I think, a little over a year now. Uh, prior to that, I spent 23 years at Apple uh, and most recently had the pr- uh, privilege and the pleasure of, of helping build Apple Pay from the ground up. Um, as far as my uh, roles and responsibilities at, at Blockdemon, um, <clears throat> I am responsible both for engineering and product. And so I sort of wear two hats and, 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 uh, and I'm pa- equally passionate about both. Uh, on the engineering side, um, I hope to bring some of the experience I have in building you know, massively scalable services that, that surprise and delight uh, to you know, everything that we do at Blockdemon. On the product side of things, uh, sort of attention to detail and, and user experience um, are things that are uh, near and dear to everything and every way that I go about thinking and solving uh, you know, uh, product-related problems as well. A lot has changed within Blockdaemon and within the wider Web3 space since you joined uh, last year, Chris, specifically the release of the, the Blockdaemon wallet. Maybe talk us through what sets the Blockdaemon wallet apart from the dozens, if not hundreds, of other wallets on the market today. What is its unique value prop within the Web3 ecosystem? Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, we're laser uh, focused on making this the best, uh, most safe uh, institutional wallet, uh, bar none, right? And so, we when we look at um, you know the the underlying technologies that we're using, uh, MPC. Uh, in a, and having a completely on-prem solution allows institutions to hold on to the things that are near and dear to them without sacrificing any of the, you know, features or or, or uh, capabilities that they've that they've known and loved. And so, you know, whether it's you know being able to look at uh, filtered views or or setting up you know very advanced policies for you know implementing business rules, uh, the the uh, institutional wallet does all of those things, um, and it's completely on-prem. And so, um, you know, come. Companies, institutions can sleep well at night knowing that um, you know once they partner with Blockdemon, uh, there's there's absolutely nothing that we can do from a security perspective that negatively impacts um, you know their assets, um, their keys, their assets. Uh, it's something that we're we're very proud of. The the user experience is uh, simple, uh, and and yet behind the scenes, obviously, to do this uh, would take a, a long time, right? Because we're not simply building you know just another MPC wallet. What we're doing is we're taking the years of work and you know, from people like Andrew 
um, and, and, and Constantine and building on top of those pillars, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, using ubiquity uh, in, the in the, you know, sort of advanced indexing that we do um, or, you know, the, the advanced knowledge of how to run uh, scalable, reliable nodes. Um, all of these things take years and years to do, and essentially the wallet, the institutional wallet, wraps all of those things up into uh, a very straightforward, easy to use, extraordinarily secure uh, user experience, and it's something that we're all very, very excited about. Absolutely, and and Andrew, you know, I just want to double click on two of the points that Chris made there. Two of the terminologies, which maybe some customers might not be as familiar with as others, it's MPC and and on-prem. And a senior director at Blockchain Engineering and someone who's, you know, ingrained within the innovation team with Blockdaemon, talk to me, you know, what is MPC? What is you know, on-prem? What do these concepts mean? And then what are the practical applications for the end customer, whether it's the institution or a bank, TradFi, whoever it may be? What are, you know, some of these uh, concepts and what do they mean in reality? Yeah, sure. Um, I'll hit the on-prem uh, topic first. So, you know, with banks and large financial institutions, one of the things that they're very cautious about is outsourcing, you know, their technology or their platform to, you know, different vendors. So when we talk about on-prem, we're really talking about the, the teams within the organization having full control over you know, the technology stack and, you know, the, the databases and all the related services. So when we talk about wallet and having an on-prem focus, it really means that the teams can be comfortable that the assets um, that are stored in the, you know, the wallet application are running on their infrastructure, secured by their team. It's not, you know, they're not relying on a third party to host it or, or manage it where they technically don't really know what's happening on the other side. Um, and when we talk about MPC then, you know, what we're really saying is there's no single point where the private key is in existence, right? So, you know, there's there's shards of the keys that are kind of spread around the various different um, nodes that comprise of the system. And, you know, when signing actions need to happen, um, you know, essentially the, the cryptography that backs the MPC um, stack allows the user to securely sign a transaction without actually having the private key in any particular um, single point at any particular time, which means... You know, for uh, someone who may potentially compromise the system, there's very little they can do. So, you know, we're building on the, the, the you know, the powerful technology and crypto primitives that, the, you know, um, the, the engineers within our team have built. And we're packaging it up in a wallet that can be deployed on your premises, which essentially means that you are in full control all the time. And the attack surface of someone who could potentially compromise that system is very limited. One of the key features that I'd like to touch on with yourself, Chris, is the policy engine within the blockchain wallet. That's something that maybe a few other wallets or a lot of wallets don't actually have. And I'd like to get your explanation of why this is relevant, why this is important for an institutional customer who's holding crypto assets. What is the policy engine and then why is it, why is it special? Sure. It, first of all, it's a, it's a great question and something that um, I think all of us who understand the low-level details are very, very proud of. Um, you know, uh, let's just talk about what it is, and then I'll explain why I think it's unique um, in terms of our implementation. Um, you, you know, if, if you want to, uh, you know, have a business policy that says, you know, if you're sending uh, less than, you know, f you know, five ETH, you know, or, or one, one, you know, one asset of a particular value, then there's really only one approval that's needed. But if you're sending more, uh, then you need to have maybe two or three people in your treasury department or, or, or group, uh, and we do support the notion of groups, approve those kinds of transactions. And so businesses can really set up arbitrary uh, kinds of policies about what kinds of approvals are needed for specific assets. And uh, we have a very simple uh, policy editor 
that allows you to you know think of it as a sort of a set of cascading rules that lets you determine with great precision exactly what needs to happen based on your local institution uh, rules, regulations, uh, policies, right? Um, and so the thing that makes our uh, policy engine unique uh, is that uh, one. Uh, Block Demon, after the fact, has zero capability of changing or editing or updating uh, at all because, as Andrew said, it's 100% on-prem. There is no component uh, related to the security aspects of the institutional wallet that Block Demon has after a customer you know, decides to you know, go with us. Um, and so that's pretty cool. The second part is that the same low-level uh, technology that's used to secure the actual shards, that was a terminology that, that Andrew mentioned, again, um, just to reiterate, using MPC, there is actually no instance in time where the private key, and that's the thing you really got to safeguard, exists on in any one place. There's a series of, of, of mathematical calculations between the nodes that occurs to elicit or produce the signature. And in that same way, the policy engine uh, is essentially as secure as the as the MPC technology stack under the hood. And so, you know, whether it's an internal bad actor or an external bad actor, um, you know, a combination of confidential compute and the way in which we're securing both the MPC technology and the, and the policy engine means that you really have the absolute gold standard from a security perspective, all with complete ease of use using a, a very simple, straightforward uh, user interface to to update these things. And that focus on security, privacy, and user interface. I'm curious, Chris, you know, how did your experience, your time within Apple come to shape leadership methodologies that you've taken from your time in Apple and apply them to, to Block Damon and building this product? I am and, and was very proud of the decisions that we made, um, you know, in putting you know, users first and, and putting privacy first and, and making it so that, uh, you know, it was technically impossible to, to change those things. You know, when you, when you make a payment, uh, you know, in store, you know, Apple doesn't see any of that data, you know, and, and, and there were a lot of, you know, low-level things we had to do to make that the case. And so uh, for me, uh, privacy is of up, utmost important, uh, importance. Um, obviously, when you're dealing um, in a B2B sort of mode, there's a different sense of sensitivities, right? And so some of the things that um, are, you know, things that I care about personally are things that I care about professionally as well. And, and there are areas where, um, you know, I bring a lot of that experience to bear. Um, I think ultimately, you do have to look at things slightly differently when you're dealing uh, with, with, a, with a B2B sort of thing because there are, are, are folks within our partner institutions that are absolute experts, you know, people I, I really, really learn from myself and, and look to when we're trying to build out uh, product roadmaps. We have uh, some, some very, very close partners on the TradFi side of things that, um, you know, I literally, you know, text, text the, the folks and they text me and, and we talk about, you know, ways in which we can craft our product roadmap so that it really helps meet their business requirements. And so, um, you know, it's, it's, a common, it's really a combination of bringing um, a lot of sort of uh, views on, you know, first and foremost, defining what are our core values? What are the things that as Block Demon we're not willing to compromise on? And obviously, when you're building a security product, security is one of those things, right? So if there's ever a product decision or an engineering decision that, you know, could tilt in either direction and it has an implication from a security perspective, I'm going to weigh in on the security side of things, right? Uh, and like 
likewise, there are a series of other sort of core values that, that, that we've developed that are unique to Blockteam and unique to the set of products that we have. And those become kind of our North Star, the things that, um, you know, we all are sort of singing from the same songbook, the, the kinds of things that, you know, as we're talking about things in an engineering discussion that we're absolutely not willing to compromise on. And, you know, I, I, I hope to empower people uh, in the engineering team and in the product team to, to really, um, you know, push back if there's ever a situation where, you know, someone, uh, you know, in some part of the company, uh, you know, wants us to do something that would be at odds with those things, because I feel ultimately very, very uh, proud and, and very, uh, a lot of conviction around uh, being able to, as a company, have those, those core values and really be able to, um, you know, create products that, that are in line with those, because it really helps ultimately focus and prioritize things, knowing what uh, is in and out based on a set of sort of North Star uh, core values. And from those core values then, Andrew, when it comes to the implementation of these products, obviously there's going to be certain considerations both from a privacy perspective but also from a customer perspective, what they want. When it comes to innovation, how do you triangulate it across multiple different stakeholders, multiple different needs to converge on the actual product innovations that go into a wallet or service on, on the blockchain platform? You know, what do you take into account when it comes to innovating in terms of you know, what needs to be built uh, from a product perspective? Yeah, you know, that's a great question and something that uh, I, I spend a lot of time thinking about. Um, so the way I like to think about it is if you, if you kind of look at the industry evolve over the last, you know, 12, 13 years, um, there's certain trends that you see, right? There's an innovation in some technology, and then it kind of takes a, you know, a few years for that innovation to actually you know, um, you know, be amplified and, and kind of seed itself through the industry. So when we kind of look at innovation, um, as particularly with you know, our product focus, we're very much looking at what will, how will a certain technology um, you know, advancement benefit people in a few years' time, right? And a little bit of it is like looking into the tea leaves and trying to predict, um, but a little bit of it is also using, you know, the trend data that you see in the industry. So, um, you know, is there, uh, you know, growing transactions in a particular, you know, uh, token standard or uh, are certain networks starting to, you know, have a, a growth uptick? And when you kind of take a lot of the data that you see out in the industry, you can sort of predict um, you know, where you think things may go, right? And then when we look at our customer base, we very much try to think, how will this technology benefit a customer in, you know, a year's time or, or two years' time? Um, and a little bit of that is, like I said, uh, reading the tea leaves. Um, but, you know, we, we do have a very good client base that we can test ideas with. So, you know, often you'll, you'll build a prototype or, or you know, a, a, a slide deck that kind of tees the idea and you very much look to see, does it resonate? Is it a product um, uh, opportunity? And, you know, at the end of the day, is there revenue involved in this, right? So, um, so yeah, when we when we look at the innovation side of things, we're very much, you know, exploring the possible and trying to build the reality. And the reality for a lot of these institutions, Chris, is when you're dealing with crypto, you're dealing with liquidity, large amounts of liquidity. Traditionally, within the wallet space, we've had hot wallets and cold wallets. How does, you know, Blockdaemon navigate the need for liquidity and combine the best elements of cold wallet and a hot wallet together? And kind of how do you, you manage that? Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. And I don't think there's a, a, a one answer, right? Um, you know, we obviously work very closely with uh, companies all around the world. And uh, they are in their local jurisdictions required to, in some cases, have, uh, you know, up to 90 percent in, in, in cold wallets. Right. And, and so uh, and part of those regulations are based on uh, the, the state of the art at the time when, when those regulations were written. Right. And MPC is really a big uh, sort of game changer, a step forward. And so while we intend to work closely with our institutional partners and come up with solutions that meet all of their needs in terms of the timing, 
uh, one of the things that we like to communicate, um, you know, is that uh, we're not dealing with a, a legacy HSM. We're not dealing with, you know, a, a one U unit that can that can fail and, you know, have to admin cards and, you know, difficult to ship around. We're dealing with extraordinarily robust software that provides the same level of security. Um, and and that because of that, there are actually probably new ways that we could think about hot and cold. Uh, and, and so as we uh, look to our internal cryptographers, if we look to our internal security engineering teams, uh, you know, one of the challenges I propose to them is to say, you know, take a, take a fresh look, uh, re-examine the, the art of the possible, um, you know, and, and really determine, you know, what makes the most amount of sense because we may actually have ways of solving uh, uh, old problems in, in new ways that provide uh, really great advancements in terms of the speed uh, and security. We, in other words, we, we, may, we may be able to have higher degrees of liquidity and, and shorter amounts of time without actually sacrificing any of the security aspects. But like I said, it's, it's something that's evolving. Um, we are very big proponents of standards. And so uh, Block Demon uh, absolutely participates in and supports the MPC Alliance. And uh, my goal would ultimately be to take these things, work with our competitors, work with, uh, you know, TradFi, work with, you know, key uh, cohorts within the larger ecosystem and to come up with things that we think we can then ultimately, as a team, present to regulators globally so that we have a path forward in ways that can take advantage of the MPC technology and yet still meet all of the safety and requirements of, of regulators globally. And you mentioned there meeting the safety and regulatory requirements globally. Crypto and specifically staking has come under uh, scrutiny recently. In terms of delivering compliance staking services, Blockdim has recently introduced staking within the wallet for Ethereum. Andrew, maybe from your own perspective, can you give, give us a brief primer on what ETH staking is, just for anyone who might not know? How does it work then in terms of a non-custodial solution for delivering staking rewards for a customer. And, and tell us about the flow and the process of the staking lifecycle uh, within the blockchain wallet. Yeah, so, you know, when we when we talk about each staking, we're really talking about, you know, a shift from, you know, proof-of-work mining, right? So when we go back in time, Ethereum was very much, you know, energy-intensive and, you know, a lot of compute power was required um, that you could consider wasted energy, right? And when we moved to proof-of-stake, it basically meant that, you know, the assets that have been, you know, minted on the chain could be utilized to actually secure the blockchain, right? So um, the proof of stake uh, shift was was really powerful, um, but it also made an opportunity for infrastructure uh, players to operate, um, you know, the validators that secure the blocks. Now, the interesting part with that is there's keys associated with this, there's wallets required for this, there's technology that's required. Um, so, you know, a company like Blockdemon don't want to be, you know, in control of all of that, right? There's legal requirements, there's, you know, custody requirements. So when we think about staking, um, we it, within our wallet, we very much want our customers to be able to participate in that. And as we said earlier, in a non-prem, you know, non-custodial way. So, you know, the flow essentially is Blockdemon are still the infrastructure provider, but we do not hold your keys. We don't want to hold your keys. You know, we will run the infrastructure and keep it operating uh, to its highest performance. Um, and, you know, from our years of doing that, we were able to build, you know, APIs that sit on top of our platform. Um, and then from that API, we basically have, you know, connected it to our wallet product. So as a user, you can essentially, um, you know, call our API to provision as many validators as you see fit based on, you know, the, the assets that you have at hand. And, you know, in a very secure, non-custodial manner, we will generate the transaction data that, that you can sign and, and verify um, within the wallet. And the really important part is we have policies and approvers who need to actually agree that this is something that you're going to do. So within the, the app, every, every approver who's, um, 
you know, has the ability to, you know, see the transaction that you're going to uh, do. And basically the assets will get bonded in a non-custodial way. They'll never leave your wallet. Um, and all the rewards essentially will, will return back to, into your account as well. So the, I guess with the flow, it's, it's building on all the layers of technology that we've built over the last, you know, five, six years. Um, and, you know, as a, a, an API first company, it means that we can plug all of our services together. Um, especially within our wallet and the users, you know, will never have to actually give over their keys or, or their funds to, you know, an individual or to us. And then in terms of making it as secure as possible, I know that we recently introduced secure enclaves. Talk to me about how the setup of the wallet is architected locally and the MPA nodes, but also what is the role of a secure enclave in uh, securing this kind of infrastructure? By using confidential compute, um, we can, you know, allow our partner institutions to run the institutional wallet in and not be worried um, about uh, bad internal actors because you've got hardware level protection for all of the, um, you know, all of the wallet operations. Then in terms of the customers buying and, and using the blockchain wallet, Chris, you know, who is the ideal customer? Who's the right customer for this? And how would you see this product fitting into their overall custodial stack? Yeah, I mean, look, I think that, um, you know, there, there's a, a wide group of, of, of folks that we think would be interested in this, you know, um, uh, I would say, you know, number one, um, you know, you, you could look at sort of different cohorts, you could say, you know, VCs, you could say TradFi, you could say, you know, FinTech, you could say, you know, small wealth, you know, small uh, and medium sized businesses. Um, we really look look at this as being interesting on the full gamut um, um, of, of different companies, because really what you're asking is, Chris, who, who cares about losing their assets? And, and my answer would be everyone, right? Um, and what we've done here is we've given people the best of both worlds, right? We've given people the ability to maintain and control their assets and yet still have access to um, services that took us literally years to build. Uh, you don't wake up one day and sort of build a staking API, right? You don't wake up one day and, and be able to dynamically provision nodes. Um, you know, Andrew is, is the, the, the thought leader behind a lot of the, you know, node queue and, and you know, lots of low-level, very complex pieces of software that are all working behind the scenes to enable and light up these user experiences, right? And so, you know, in, in some ways, you know, if you're, if you're interested in uh, holding on to your own assets and not ever having someone uh, take them away from you, uh, you know, through, then, then we think that the institutional wall is for you. Um, and, 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 you know, really when I step back um, and I look at, um, you know, what, what, what one of the things that I think of as, you know, benefits that I bring to bear is I'm a platform builder. You know, I'm not going to look at, at something in terms of, you know, the, the here and the now. I'm going to look at, you know, what, what can this thing do, you know, many years into the future, right? And so we have a really amazing product roadmap. We've just released the 1.1 version of our institutional wallet, and I'm super proud of that because we've added staking support uh, for ETH in there. But we've got a long line of, of, of features and products that are building off of this secure core platform that we've built. Um, and so, uh, you know, can't, can't announce those things now, um, but there's, you know, a, a long list of things that we're, we're super proud of that we're you know, going to be releasing uh, on, a, on a regular cadence. Uh, and that's what you get when you build things with a sort of platform mindset. Um, you know, you, you, you're able to, you know, sort of get momentum with each of these releases. And, and, and we think that that will uh, be something that uh, our customers love. And, and we're super proud of it. 
And on that note, Chris Sharp, Andrew Howell, many thanks for joining me today. I appreciate your input.